I want to explain to you guys some things before we get going in our Bible study. So the Scripture in the New Testament is all about letters written to the churches. Okay? And you have the book of Acts okay, as recorded by the apostles. All right. Each letter addresses a specific issue that a church was having. So when you look at each letter written in the New Testament times, you put all these letters together and it forms a complete doctrine for Christian living and for how the church should operate and for how you should operate as an, a Christian individual. Okay? That basically, in a 30,000 foot view, explains the letters. The letters was written, so imagine if we were in the very beginning of the development of the church of Jesus Christ, we would have all kinds of new issues popping up. All kinds of stuff would be going on, right? I mean, if we ventured out, this was uncharted territory that the apostles were going through. All of a sudden, Judaism has changed. And now the Messiah has come, which has created the new covenant. And now we have this problem, and, and it was a problem. We've got to institute the New Testament in Judea, starting in Judea. Okay? This was a huge problem because up until this time, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, these people were following what? The law. Okay? So now you're talking drastic change. Well, this is where Galatians, and that's where we're going to study. We have six chapters of the book. Alright? We're going to study the book of Galatians. It's one of my favorite books. Um, it's full of good information when coming to when talking about justification by faith and the transition from Judaism to Christianity. So you can see now why it was so important in the book of Acts for God to save someone like Saul who became Paul. So if why then do you guys think it was so important that God saved the Apostle Paul, who was Saul at the time. Why then was it so important that he save a man like him? Think about what I just told you about what the big issue was going to be. We're going to be trans. We're going to be. We're going to be transferring from Judaism to grace, the doctrine of grace. Exactly. Great explanation. So a man like the Apostle Paul, who was Saul, was a Pharisee expert. Okay, a law expert. He was an absolute expert in the field of the Mosaic law. All right. 
Nobody knew more than Paul did. Now, just looking at this, now we can see how this transition from the Mosaic law into the law of into grace and being saved in the doctrines of faith. Now we can see why it was so important to have a man like that in place. Everything okay? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So no better person than Paul or Saul at the time to make this transition. So we're going to see as we go through these things uh, how Paul or Saul is going to use the Old Testament law to prove the doctrines of justification by faith. It was brilliant that God chose Saul, Paul, to do this with. Now, before we get going, I want you to to get a mindset. Okay, we're going to study out the book of Galatians. I don't... As we're embarking on this, this is going to be a biblical journey that we're all going to take together through this book. Okay? I want to take the approach in a different way. I don't want to just provide you with knowledge. Okay? I want you to thoroughly see and understand as I pick this thing apart with you with the help of God. I want you to obtain the knowledge, but I want you to start applying this to your life. Okay? I want this to be more than knowledge. I want this to be something that you learn and you apply. Because every bit of this book is relevant for today's living and for you and me. There's not a portion of this writing and this letter that isn't relevant for you and me. Okay? Um, it's okay to have knowledge, but knowledge alone can't benefit or save you. It's the application of knowledge into obedience to God. That's what pleases the Lord. That's what pleases God. Is when you act upon what you know. Knowing something and not doing it does not please the Lord. It actually angers God and it proves your disobedience. So the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. The more you know, the more He expects from you. Okay? Okay. Just to kind of, as we're stepping into this, I'm going to give you kind of a book overview. Um, it is thought that this book was written somewhere around 48 AD, somewhere around the time frame of Paul's missionary journey when he was uh, in between Galatia and somewhere near the council at Jerusalem. Uh, the council of Jerusalem 
kind of happened as a result of this problem that Paul begins to address in Galatia. The very fact of Judaism mixed with Jesus is the issue that the council is going to address. Okay? Um, the purpose of the letter was basically to address Judaizers, as they are called, okay? And what that means is this. Uh, Up until pretty much uh, to this point in the early church history, it was only Jewish people getting saved. The, the, The message of the gospel had not yet went out to the Gentiles or to the pagan nations. So you have a bunch of Jewish people getting born again and believing in Jesus. Okay? Well, what they are trying to do, uh, uh, since pretty much they were the first early Christians, is they were trying to say that that, uh, being a Christian is just Judaism plus Jesus. Okay? That's a really good way for you to understand and look at this. Judaism plus Jesus is what they believed and taught. Okay? That means this, that they felt like they still were under the Mosaic law, that they should keep the law and recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Well, the two just don't mix, and that was not the message of the Old Testament and God's God's revelation of the Old Testament of justification by faith. It is not what Jesus Christ intended to happen, and it was not based in faith. And so when you have these pagans starting to come in uh, to the church and getting saved, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear to them that, listen, even pagans, even Gentiles can come straight to Jesus and be saved outside of Judaism and not keep the law. You don't have to keep the law. You're saved by faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. You can't keep the law and be saved or, or, or operate in faith. It is not anything that you can do with your own hands. For instance, there was a, a, a lady the other day who had, I noticed as we were in line uh, at this store, she had crosses really pretty much all over her, cross rings, a cross necklace, cross this, cross that. And I said, well, you must be a Christian with all these crosses on you. And she says to me, she says, yeah, and I'm even thinking about getting one tattooed. I said, can I talk to you just for a second? Because I just couldn't take it anymore. And I said, do you understand that no matter how much jewelry you put on your body or how many crosses you tattoo on your skin, which is unlawful, I said, that can't help you spiritually, not one iota. You're trying to fix spiritual things with physical things, and it just doesn't work that way. I said, do you know that the the Bible says that man looks upon the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart? I said, if you're afraid of something spiritual, or if you want some sort of protection from Satanism, or if you're looking for some kind of spiritual help in spiritual warfare, I said, you have to get your heart right because the Holy Spirit indwells your heart, not your skin. And I said, that's where the gospel takes place at, in your heart. 
She looked at me with, with uh, a different looking face. And I said, in the law, it says that you shall not tattoo your body. I said, it specifically says that. And she says, really? I said, that's correct. I said, your body is the temple not made by man's hands, but was made by God himself for God himself to inhabit. I said, there is nothing that man can make that is worthy for the king of kings and the Lord of lords to, 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 to live in. I said, so God made man so that he could dwell in man, made by his own hands. I said, so it's like seeing a beautiful church. I said, if you're looking through the eyes of God, looking at people is like looking at a church to God. And I said, what would a church look like that's all graffitied up? She said, I think I needed to hear that. I said, I know you did. So the purpose then was to stop this message of Judaism Plus Jesus. To stop this. For these people who were perverting the message of grace by faith. Salvation by faith. Okay. They had begun to pervert this message. And tell people, well, before you can be a Christian, you got to be a Jew first. Well, that's just not the case. Okay. So imagine if we were trying to do this and we're trying to change this culture and change this mindset and all you got is Jewish people getting saved. Okay, how am I going to do that? God says, I'll take the best of the people of the law and I'm going to bring him into this equation. I'm going to save him and he's going to come in and he's going to use my word to show these people. And that's exactly what God did. Thank God for that. Uh so it's not Judaism plus Christ. It's not, it's not that way. And this is what the Apostle Paul began to, uh, to instruct these Galatians. Um, and which leads to the belief being taught uh, by most Christian scholars that again, the, the, the book, the authenticity of the book and the authorship of the book took place about around 48 AD, just before the Jerusalem Council would have taken place because they discussed these very issues, okay? Um, so as we go through this, there are basically three parts to the book of Galatians, okay? Three parts. In chapters 1 and 2, uh, Paul validates his apostleship and the process in which he learned the gospel message. That's chapters 1 and 2. It's very important that he do that. So that, again, the, the, he was not of the original 12. He was an apostle who was selected by Christ after the resurrection. It's very important that you understand that. Okay, He was not picked as Jesus walked the earth, as the other 12 was. But as he said, I am one that was born out of due time, he said. I should have been born at an earlier age because I am an apostle. Now, here, herein lied another challenge for Paul is to prove his capital A apostleship, uh, the, the, the office in which he held. Now he had to convince a group of people, the, the, the apostles themselves, that actually, and Peter, actually, that yes, he was called of Jesus himself. 
So the statement that he's going to make here in just a minute says that he was taught by the Lord himself. Now that is a very powerful and interesting statement. And we'll take a look at that here in just a minute. The second part of Galatians is chapter 3 and 4 where Paul demonstrates how the Old Testament, like I was telling you, teaches the doctrine of justification by faith. And he goes on to teach that by using Abraham as his prime example. And Abraham is the father of? Starts with a faith and ends with a th. Yes! Everybody say it together on three. One, two, three. Oh, that was, that was sick. One, two, three. Uh, Paul demonstrates in the Old Testament uh, how the Old Testament taught the doctrine of justification by faith. And he, was, and he used Abraham as his prime example. We'll, we'll jump into that as we, get, as we go through our study. The third part of the book of Galatians uh, is chapter 5 and 6, okay, where Paul describes the spirit-led lifestyles of those who have been justified by faith and grace. We'll get into the fruits of the Spirit, okay? You've often heard me talk about Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 lays out the doctrine of the fruits of the Spirit, okay, of both evil fruit and good fruit, okay? So those are the three pretty much uh, parts of the book of Galatians. Again, one and two, he validates his apostleship. Three and four, he shows how the Old Testament taught the doctrine of justification by faith. And five and six, he describes the spirit-led lifestyle of those who are justified by faith. Okay? So now you know, when we're getting ready to uh, jump into the first chapter, all remember this, that you know, we're going to get into the validation of his apostleship, but it's, it is, the, the, the real message is salvation in Christ plus nothing. Plus nothing. Christ is it. He fulfilled the law. There is nothing added. You can't do anything with your hands to get you in better uh, relationship with God when it comes to your personal salvation. Understand that. You are out of the equation. The only thing that you have to give to God to, that, that produces salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. And Him alone can you be saved in that expression of your faith. Okay? Um... This book was written in some very troubling, troublesome times in the church. This was not an easy thing to be done. Okay? And this message that Paul was teaching, a, a walk away from Mosaic law into the doctrine of grace, is a walk from legalism to faith. Okay? That... Uh, it's not about keeping strict traditions. It's not about 
keeping rigid rules. It's about faith in Jesus Christ alone. You, you have to drop the Mosaic Law. Now this is the people who were taught their whole life that you can't eat this. You can't do this. You have to wash this way. You've got to do this and do that. Now they're being taught that all that, even though it was meaningful when it was here, stopped and has nothing to do with your relationship to Jesus Christ. We even see the apostles having in the book of Acts, when, when, the, when the word Easter is mentioned, which is, again, the, an Anglo-Saxon word for Ishtar, but the, the, the apostles was still trying to mix Judaism plus Jesus when they were doing the unleavened bread. Okay, now doing unleavened bread or or you know or having any of these feasts is there's nothing wrong with it. The problem becomes now for people like you and me uh, who have not been grown up in Judaism, taught that that was a must. You have to do that. Or God is not pleased with you and you have violated your, your faith. Okay, For you and me to keep a feast out of fun, to learn it, to do it, is no big deal. But for a group of people to be keeping a feast while trying to also celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, was, was still showing a little bit of this Judaism plus Jesus syndrome that they were fighting. Okay, in the book of Acts. So this is a, just basically an emphatic statement from Paul saying, faith apart from works. Okay, that's what he was saying. And this was something that was, that immediately causes huge problems in the church. Hence, the Jerusalem council that took place. They had to address this stuff because this was turning into a huge problem. Okay, All these Jewish people says, how can we abandon the law? Any questions so far on just an overview? Okay. Now we, we, we've actually covered a lot of ground without talking on one verse of Scripture yet. Okay. Do you, I want to make sure that you have a hold on what I'm talking about. So I'm going to ask you, what's the main purpose of this letter? He has authority. Yes. No. And he confronts Peter about it later on. Right. Right. Could be. He was on his. This was, they believe, after his first missionary journey. Yeah. But what was the big reason? What was the big reason he wrote this? Yes. 
And the problem was all these Judy, the Judaizers who was teaching that, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, but it's Judaism. What? Plus Jesus. OK. That's the main reason for this. So before we get going, what can that mean for me? That what can this mean for you? This is what this means for you. That there is nothing that you can do to earn God's respect and love. I want you to hear that again. I want you to realize that salvation is not bestowed upon you by good deeds. Good deeds should be a result of your faith in Jesus, but not contingent upon you going to heaven or being accepted by Jesus. Do you see? What this means to me is faith in Jesus is everything. My walk with the Lord is everything. The faith that I have, the knowledge that I have, the application of faith is everything. This is what this means to you and me. Take your good works and throw them down the drain. Your good works, as the Bible says, now we're rightly dividing the word now. The Bible says that the, the, the righteousness of man, these good works, is nothing but filthy rags in the sight of God. Okay? You can't produce good works. You cannot produce righteousness, folks. You can't produce it. You can't wear something that produces it. You can't make something that produces it with your hands. The only thing that can produce righteousness, righteousness being defined as right standing with God, the only thing that can produce that is your obedient faith to Jesus Christ. Your faith in Him. Faith in His doctrine. Faith in His Word. Faith that He is the Messiah. That's what produces righteousness, right standing, with God. Okay? This is what this means. So let's get started. Okay? Chapter 1. And I need to learn to turn this phone down. Chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm, I'm going to read this to you. Paul, an apostle. And I like the way this... Now, I'm in the NIV right now. I don't typically read much out of this one, but I'm, I like what this reads, how this reads. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead. Now, I want you to take a look at this. Now, I'm not worried about how fast we go. Okay? I'm concerned with that you pick this up. Alright? Paul is starting this off... If you look through the course of his other writings and the other letters that he wrote... He immediately starts it off with who he is, okay? And he doesn't go real far into the, the pleasantries, so to speak. A little bit, but not very far into that. But he comes out and he makes a very emphatic statement saying that he was not sent by men. This means this, that if someone comes in here and they say, hey, Jay, God's called me to preach. I feel like I'm a preacher. Or if I look at you and say, hey, I'm going to ordain you as a deacon and I'm going to come up here and lay hands on you. That's me giving you an office in the church. He is saying no man 
You know, the, the, the old place where I was ordained, uh, I was called by God to preach the gospel. But then men ordained me to be a part of the fellowship in that church and ordained me to preach that doctrine, that, that church's doctrine, that gospel. Okay? Paul is saying, ain't nobody told me anything, but Jesus Christ told me. I got my revelation of who I am and what I am, this apostleship, straight from Jesus. Not by any man, not by the council at Jerusalem, not by the apostles telling me to go do something for them. No, he says emphatically right here, Paul, an apostle, I have the office of an apostle. And then he says, sent not by men or by man, but by Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Is because that is the specific criteria uh, and, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the criteria to be an apostle is to be called straight from Jesus and taught by Jesus himself. That is the qualification, is the word I was looking for, of the apostleship. That's why this particular apostleship was very unique because it didn't exist in the human life of Jesus Christ, but after he was resurrected. Paul is the only one this happened to. Okay? As Rich stated a little bit ago, the other apostles did not, would not reach out and go out and bring this gospel to the pagans or to the Gentiles. God needed someone to also address the issue of Judaism, Judaizers, within the early church. Or this whole thing was going to get contaminated. So outside of the twelve, there was a... There, outside of the days of the twelve and Jesus' life here physically on earth, He called... We see it happening, the very beginnings of it, where? On the road to where? Damascus. Jesus Himself... You know, when I got saved, Jesus didn't shine a big light around me and knock me down on the ground and talk to me and go tell me to do this and that. He began teaching Paul immediately upon Paul's salvation. So Paul makes the statement, not by men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's verse 1. Any questions? Verse 2, it says, And all the brothers to the churches in Galatia, colon. Then he gets into the salutation here. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that an important statement? Now, I say that to you to, to, to provoke you to thinking. I want you to read it with me again. Grace and peace to you. Let me say it again so I can maybe give you a hint. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that a, why is that a, a very pointed statement? Anybody? Yes! Yes! The word grace? Wait a minute. I'm talking to a bunch of 
Judaizers who believe that the only way that they can ever have peace is to perform the acts of the law. Grace is God's, what's the definition of grace, guys? It is God's what? Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. What does that mean? Somebody define that for me. Unmerited. Something you don't deserve. But now, Shelly, if I would have went and sacrificed them 16 turtle doves or that great big oxen, or, or if I would have went up there and did some other kind of, of, would I have not have earned that? Right. So it's unmerited. It's not anything that I did with my hands. It's not anything that I achieved. Grace, God's unmerited favor and peace. Grace and peace with God goes hand in hand. When God grants you grace, His unmerited favor, He saved you, Brother Tom, even though you didn't deserve it, even though you didn't do a thing to earn it, He saved you because your belief in His Son, Jesus Christ, yet you had done all these evil deeds in your past, He forgave you of it, saved you from it, delivered you from it, cleaned your slate from it, washed you and made you as white as snow from it, cast it as far as the east is from the west from you, and gave you His unmerited favor and made in you a brand new person. The law can't do that, Judaizers. So His very first statement that you read over, you just skip right over all that, that, that point that He's making. Okay? Grace and peace to you. Man, can I get an amen tonight from somewhere? Yeah. Yes. It's all about faith, isn't it? It's all about faith. Man, I can't believe I've been talking for 34 minutes and 8 seconds. He is. He is. Oh, they got, they got, he's got a huge problem. And listen, he didn't have a, an F-150 to drive to all the churches and fix all this stuff. So the element of time is here. How, how do you fix all these churches? Let's face it, you know, thousands of people had gotten saved. And there were little pockets of believers popping up all over the place and they still wanted to keep the law. He couldn't call them up on the cell phone, you know, and text the church in Galatia, hey, uh, text me back, would you? No, he had to go there. That's why the missionary journeys was so very important. Because the element of time was happening. And the further entrenched people get in, different, in these bad doctrines, the harder it gets to get them out of it. Okay? Okay. Man. Should I venture on the verse 2? Good grief. Verse 2. Or I'm sorry, 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, verse 4, who gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Somebody talk to me about why that's such an important statement to these people. Listen to what He said again. Who gave Himself for our sins. So what's that saying to the dude that wants to go and sacrifice? 
Yes, he was the sacrifice. What are you doing? Hello? All this in a salutation? The Apostle Paul was absolutely brilliant. He's saying hello and smacking you in the face at the same time. And you don't even know it. Okay? Brilliant. He's brilliant. Absolutely filled by the Spirit of God to be able to pull this off. Even to where readers today look at this and just, well, I'll skip over that introduction. You just skipped over some great stuff. Okay? Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Jesus is everything. There is no more sacrifices. There is no more anything that can do this. He did it all to rescue you. He's setting them up. He's showing who he is. And he's teaching this thing, this new thing with the authority of the office of the apostle. You see? According to the will of God our Father. Man, so now we're taking it all the way back to Jehovah Himself in which these people, He links it back to God and not just Jesus that this is God's will that you do this, not that you go and practice the law. He was just cutting their legs out from underneath of them, chop, chop, and they were just done. They, had no, they were standing there on bloody nubs right now. They just had nothing to say. Man, okay. Hmm. Then he goes on to say, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay. Man, I want to jump on six so bad I can't see straight because it's getting into some powerful stuff. I mean, some good stuff, but we are already, I am 38 minutes and five seconds into this. So I'm going to stop. Now, what did we just learn, Tom? Tell me something we learned. What did we learn? Pretty much, right? Paul introduced himself with authority from whom he got the message. He was taught by Jesus himself. He spent three years apart away being instructed by the Lord himself. Being taught how to forget the doctrines of the Old Testament, but to use them to prove that the ultimate end of God's plan for humanity was the institution of the new covenant. The part where you have the law, the one half that says this is the law and this is the punishment for when you sin. And this tells us how and when we sin. And then the introduction of the Messiah who is Jesus the Christ. The answer for all this over here in the law. The law then drives us to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of what the law shows us we've done wrong. Together, they are a perfect covenant, completed and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 